0: Back tonight. I know uh, you might not be in the habit of coming on Sunday nights. We, uh, because of our small groups, we often don't meet on Sunday nights, but you don't have anything better to do tonight, so come on back. Um, We're giving cash prizes. Just seeing if you're listening, we're not giving cash prizes. Um, You will get bonus points for heaven. I don't have bonus points for heaven. Uh, We're going to look at the year in review tonight, so if you, uh, seriously, if you want to come back tonight, we're not going to keep you very long. I'd love to have you back tonight, and uh, we'll have some singing. We'll praise God, and we'll just kind of look at where Pine Tree's been, some things that have happened this last year, and uh, maybe some things that we're going to be doing in 2014. This is the last Sunday of the year. Isn't that crazy? Welcome to the last Sunday of 2013. Welcome to pine tree. It's still the holiday season. We still have a lot of people traveling, so a lot of our folks are gone, and uh, we've got former members, family. You've got family, and it's good to have folks here uh, today. I read this last week that uh, there's four or five states that have been hit hard with the flu, and the one that has been hit the hardest is Texas, and they said it's not even bad yet, but uh, Texas has been hit hard, so... If you know some folks that are kind of sickly today, uh, you might want to check on them, see how they're doing. And we put hand sanitizer out there for reasons for you to. So seriously, you you need to watch your watch your cleanliness and your health for your benefit and for the benefit of those around you. So y'all doing all right. We're going to be in the book of Judges today. If you want to be flipping to Judges 19, 20, and 21, I'm going to be introducing so you can kind of be crawling through the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. Um, We're going to look at a story and we're going to look at a nation that was very, very, very corrupt. So let me give you the setting of what's going on leading up to the book of Judges. You remember, as you start reading your Bible, God calls Abraham and he tells Abraham, look, I'm going to make you a promise. I'm going to make you into a great nation, great blessing, and I'm going to give you um, a great land. And Abraham has a son named Isaac and Isaac has a son named Jacob and Jacob's name is changed to Israel. Jacob has 12 sons, the 12 tribes, they become their own tribe, the 12 sons of Jacob, the 12 tribe, sons of Israel. And you read about those tribes. We call them the Israelites. You read about a time that they're in slavery in Egypt and God calls Moses. He raises up Moses to lead the people out of Egypt. They head out of Egypt. They go to Mount Sinai. God says, look, I've called you to be my people. And so here's how I want you to live. And he gives them a law and they uh, they receive that law and they start heading to the promised land. Moses dies Joshua is going to lead them into the promised land. And so as you read the book of Joshua, it's a military campaign, and the people go into the land, and it's kind of a divide and conquer. They go in and they conquer the north, they conquer the south. And, and you get to the end of Joshua, and, and he calls everybody together. He calls all the tribes together. He, he calls the nation together. I don't know how that worked. They didn't have PA system, but he, he called the people together, and he said, all right, listen, listen, it, it's time. It's time. God brought you out of Egypt and He he reminds them in Joshua 24, He said, let me tell you what God has done for you, which was pretty much everything. He said, it's time for you to throw away the gods your forefathers served. and It's time for you to choose. It's time for you to listen to God. And as you read in Joshua 24, the people say, you know, far be it from us to forsake the Lord. And Joshua tells the people, no, you can't. You can't serve the Lord. And the people said, no, no, we can't. Joshua, listen, we can do that. And Joshua says, OK, you're witnesses, you're witnesses amongst yourself that you said you would serve the Lord. And the people said, you know, we're, we're witnesses. We, we know that. And Joshua keeps going. He says, and you need to throw away the gods that your forefathers served. And you need to yield to God. You need to listen to God. And the people said, OK, listen, we, we get your point. We're going to do that. And then Joshua takes a large stone. He says, not only are you witnesses, but here's this large stone. Every time you see this large stone, this stone serves as a witness to you. And the people are like, listen, Joshua, we, we get this. And he made a covenant that day with the people, and he recorded those things. And the people said, listen, Joshua, it's, it's no problem. And then we start the book of Joshua, a book of Judges. The book of Judges is a period of 350 years from between Joshua and the time of the kings. We have no kings. So a 350-year period where God's people did just about everything. I mean just about everything, except follow Him. We just told Joshua, listen, we get it. We're going to do that. And our Scripture reading today in in Judges chapter chapter 2 kind of gave you a scenario. Let me keep reading in Judges 2, verse 16. Then the Lord raised up "...judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshipped them. Unlike their fathers, they quickly turned from the way in which their fathers had walked, the way of obedience to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, He was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. For the Lord had compassion on them as they groaned under those who oppressed and afflicted them." But when the judge died, the people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their fathers, following other gods and serving and worshiping them. So they'd already forgotten the covenant they made with Joshua. They'd already forgotten that they were witnesses. They'd already forgotten the large stone. They'd already forgotten God. In fact, as you read through Judges, it's a series of cycles. History just repeats itself. The people would live in disobedience. They wouldn't do what God would say. God would send... Um, oppression upon them. God would discipline them through foreign oppression. The people would cry out. He would send a deliverer for a brief period of time. They would follow God for a very brief period of time. And then they would live in disobedience. And then he would discipline them. And then seven times, there's at least seven cycles in the book of Judges. Why? Because the people said, listen, listen, don't tell me what to do. They told that to God. They told that to each other. Listen, don't tell me what to do. And yet Joshua said, listen, I'm going to tell you what to do. You need to serve God. Hey, far be it from us not to do that. Far be it from us to forsake God. Don't tell me what to do because they wanted to live any way they wanted to live. And there was no king. There was no authority. There was no accountability, and so the people did do what they wanted to do. In fact, as you read in chapter 3, you read again the phrase, Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Again in verse 12, Then the the Israelites did evil in the sight of the Lord. They did whatever they wanted to do. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to live any way I want to. And they did. It got so bad. It got so bad that we're going to look at a story that I'm not even going to read you all of the story because I don't want to read it to this audience. You, you, you can go home and read Judges 19 and 20 and 21. It got so bad that the last verse in Judges, in Judges 21:25. "...in those days Israel had no king. In those days Israel had no moral compass. In those days Israel had no final authority. In those days Israel had no king." Everyone did as he saw fit. Let me give you some other translations. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. People did whatever they felt like doing. Everyone did whatever they pleased. People did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to live as I see fit. I'm going to do whatever pleases me. I'm going to do whatever I want. And they did. And it was bad. I mean, they were an evil people. In fact, again, go home and read Judges 19 and 20 and 21. But let me just give you a little scenario. Judges 19, in those days Israel had no king. Now a Levite who lived in a remote area in the hill country of Ephraim took a concubine from Bethlehem and Judah. But she was unfaithful to him. She left him and she went back to her father's house in Bethlehem, Judah. After she'd been there four months, her husband went back to try to persuade her to come back home with him. So he goes to find his concubine wife. And the father-in-law says, listen, let's sit down and let's eat and drink. And they would eat and drink at night. And then the next day, maybe because of a hangover or whatever, he would get so late in the day that he'd tell his concubine wife, okay, let's go. And the father would say, listen, it's late in the day. Why don't you just hang around and we'll eat and drink and be merry. And they would do that day two and day three and day four. And finally on day four, He said, listen, we're going home. we got to go. And they headed home, but it was so far away that they didn't make it before nightfall. And they came to a place, a pit stop in Gibeah. Gibeah is where the Benjamites lived. Now, remember we talked about the twelve tribes? The twelve tribes were family. They were Israelites. The Israelites took care of Israelites. The Israelites took care of each other. So they stopped in Gibeah. And here's what you did in that day when you stopped you would go to the, the town center, the, 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 the middle of the town, and you would just stand there. You'd just wait for somebody to notice you and show hospitality to you. So here's a Levite with his concubine wife and a servant and some donkeys, and they stop, and a man finally notices. And they have a conversation, and he finds out you're an Israelite, a Levite and a, and a Benjamite. So he says, listen, come home with me. Just stay at my house. We pick up the story in 1922, chapter 19, verse 20, 22. <clears throat> While they were enjoying themselves, some of the wicked men of the city surrounded the house. Pounding on the door, they shouted to the old man who owned the house. Bring out the man who came to your house so we can have sex with him. Now, probably the reason behind that was they wanted to humiliate this man. So when this man left, he would tell people, hey, you don't want to go to Gibeah. They didn't want anybody coming to their town. So we're going to humiliate this guy so he'll tell everybody else not to go to Gibeah. The story keeps going. Verse 23. The owner of the house went outside and said to them, No, my friends, don't be so vile. Since this man is my guest, don't do this disgraceful thing. And I'm telling you, it's bad. I'm telling you, they're evil. I'm telling you the last verse in Judges where everybody did as they saw fit. Verse 24, look, here's my virgin daughter and his concubine, the Levite's concubine. I'll bring them out to you now and you can use them and do to them whatever you wish. What's he thinking? He's thinking, well, this is right in my eyes. But to this man, don't do such a disgraceful thing. The men would not listen to him, so the man took his concubine and sent her outside And you can keep reading. They did things to her that were outrageous. These people did things as they saw fit. Don't tell me what to do. We're going to do whatever we want to do. And this woman dies. The concubine of the Levite. The next day, he loads up his concubine and he goes back home. And he's thinking, you know, that... that The Israelites, the twelve tribes, they they need to know about this. So he sends a letter. After cutting up her body into twelve parts and sending it to each of the tribes so that when they checked their mail that day, each of the leaders of the tribe were outraged that such a thing had happened in all of Israel. Israel. We've got to do something about this. It had gotten so bad. Hey, don't tell me what to do. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I'm going to live any way I want to. And you see that in this chapter. Well, you can keep reading. The Israelites responded. Eleven tribes are going to come against the Benjamites. And they pretty much, they went to war. They pretty much wiped out the entire, all but wiped out the tribe of the Benjamites. And you can keep reading about that story. In those days, there was no king. And... Everybody did as he saw fit. It's an incredible story. Folks, you, you, I don't know how your Bible reading's been. If it's been kind of boring, go, go home and read this story. I'm guessing your parents didn't read you this bedtime story. Isn't it amazing we can read through the Bible over and over and over and we can read through passages and it's like, wow, that one never, that one never grabbed me before. Don't tell me what to do, and they lived that way for 350 years. Don't tell me how to live, and they lived this way, this way, until God would send foreign oppression, and then the foreign oppression would be so bad that they would cry out to the Lord, and He would send a judge, He would send a deliverer. And for a brief period of time, they would kind of listen to the Lord, and then each time that the cycle repeated itself, it got worse and more corrupt, corrupt until you read this story. It's horrendous. But you know, not much has changed. Because in our world today, people still have the attitude, hey, listen, don't tell me how to live. I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to live as I see fit. I'm going to do whatever pleases me. We're Americans, right? I mean, we've got freedoms. Nobody's going to tell us how to live. Don't tell me what to do. I can live any way I want. I mean, parents hear that from their children. Don't tell me what to do. You're not the boss of me. We said that to our parents. Husbands say that to wives. Wives say that to husbands. Employers hear that from their employees. Athletes say that to their coaches. Don't tell me what to do. And in all of this mix, being humans the passage that Clint read before communion, Christians say the same thing. Hey, don't don't tell me how to live. Don't tell me what to do. Everyone here today has some of that don't-tell-me-what-to-do attitude. We all have that in us. It's called disobedience. It's called rebellion. And even though we might make covenants with God and we might say, hey, I'd, I'd never live that way. I'd never do that. Even as Christians... We have the attitude, don't tell me what to do. I'm, I'm going to live any way I want. Mind your own business. Get your nose out of my life. Who are you to tell me? Don't tell me how to live. Because we all want our freedom and we're about rights and we're Americans. We're almost Americans before we're Christians. We've got rights. And then you turn on the TV and then you watch movies and then you read in the newspaper and... And and it caters to that attitude. Don't tell us what to do. We see it in movies. We hear it in music. We read it in the newspaper. And we buy into that. Don't tell me what to do. I can do whatever I want. You do know you can't. You can't do whatever you want. We might have that attitude. We might not ever admit to having that attitude. You know you can't do whatever you want. You can't live any way you want. I mean you won't find that attitude in you won't find that attitude in the real world. You'll never get pulled over by a highway patrol and him have you roll your window down and say, listen, you just drive as fast as you want. You do whatever you want to, you just blow up and down this interstate. I don't care what you do, you do whatever you see fit. You won't hear that. You'll never hear a teacher on a Friday tell a class, listen, class, I just want you to know that the key to happiness is you go home and do whatever you want to do. Just whatever makes you happy. You'll never hear a judge say that. You'll never hear a parole officer telling his parolee at at a monthly meeting, listen, 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 just go do whatever you want to do. doesn't matter. Just whatever makes you happy, whatever you see fit, whatever pleases you. You'll never hear child protective services tell parents, listen, if you want to get your kids back, just do whatever you want to do. Live any way you want to. Just, you know, whatever you want to have happen in your house, just go ahead. Don't tell me what to do. Listen, folks, You. you we know you can't live like that. But the Israelites sure tried for 350 years. They tried to live any way they wanted to. And we still try. We have to know that as humans, in our human nature, in our sinfulness, in our rebellion, in our disobedience, you know we try to live that way. Don't tell me what to do. You know why you can't live that way? Because somebody always gets hurt. Sometimes our attitude is, listen, it doesn't matter what I do as long as nobody gets hurt. If you buy into that lie, you don't realize that the somebody, the first person who always gets hurt is usually you. Listen, don't tell me what to do. Grow up, you tell your parents, don't tell me what to do. If I want to drink, I'll drink. And you go drink. And you know what happens when you go drink? You know what happens when you express your freedom? Sometimes the very expression of our freedom, if I want to drink, I'll do, I'll, I'll do alcohol. If I want to do pornography, if I want to gamble, if I want to do sex, sometimes the very expression of our freedom becomes a bondage to us. We can't get away from it. We're in change to those things. Those things master us and control us. The very expression of our freedom has now controlled us. And we are the ones that suffer. We hurt. You say nobody's going to get hurt. Well, guess what? You're a nobody because we get hurt. Not only do we hurt ourselves, we hurt the people that we're with. I mean, how many stories do you know about? How many stories can we read about? Someone says, listen, if I want to drink, I'll drink. And they go drink and they drive and there's people with them who suffer. Not only do you hurt yourself, you hurt the people around you. You hurt the people who care about you. You hurt your parents. If you've never been a parent, someday when you're a parent, you're going to understand how painful it is for parents to watch their kids live out. Don't tell me what to do. I'll do whatever I want. You can't do whatever you want to do without hurting someone. Not only that, you hurt people who come after you. Some of y'all have had counseling. I'm just being honest with you. Some of y'all have had to sort through some feelings and you finally figured out through counseling or or through self-exploration the reason you are the way you are is because your parents lived a life. Hey, don't tell us what to do. We're going to do whatever we want to do. Guess who gets hurt? You do. You're living messed up lives because your parents said, Don't tell me what to do. We're going to do whatever we want to do. And we suffer because of the actions of parents. I've talked to parents before in the midst of getting a divorce, in the midst of getting a divorce, and I've said, What about your kids? And they will say, They'll be okay. Can I share something with you? Y'all are, I mean, y'all are children of. Divorce situations. Can I share something with you? It's not okay. The kids carry those scars. And the kids carry those wounds. And yeah, they might turn out okay. And yeah, they might. And yeah, they might. But guess what? Because the parents say, we're going to do whatever we want to do and live any way we want. Children sometimes suffer. You can't live any way you want. You can't live any way you want. But the Israelites sure tried. For 350 years, they tried. Growing up, maybe your dad had some rules and you would say, listen, dad, don't tell me what to do. And you would go do what your dad told you not to do. And you would get caught and you'd have to call your dad whose rules you just broke. Uh, dad. Growing up, your mom said, listen, don't do such and such. And you would say, listen, don't tell me what to do. And you would go out and you would get caught. And you'd have to call the very person whose rules you just, mom, can. The Israelites growing up. God gave them rules. Don't tell me what to do. And they would have to call the very person. They would cry out to God whose rules they just broke. Because they live. Don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me what to do. I'll live any way I want. You, You can't do whatever you want to do. You can't live expressing your freedom as if there are no consequences. When it comes to relationships and when it comes to finances and when it comes to marriage, when it comes to raising kids, um, God, the Father, knows best. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to live any way I want to. Nothing much has changed in history, has it? God told the people how to live for, for their benefit. Not to be mean, not because he's a harsh God, for their benefit. And they said, God, don't tell us what to do. And we, we, we still live the same way. I've kind of enjoyed the last couple of weeks um, watching the Duck Dynasty uh, scenario play out. If you're not familiar with what's going on, Phil Robertson was suspended from the show because he did a a magazine interview and he quoted scripture and people didn't like it you start seeing videos on the internet on youtube they'd find all these videos of phil robertson quoting scripture and the world lashes out don't tell us what to do christians have lashed out i mean both sides have lashed out isn't that interesting the people of the world, many people of the world, didn't like what he had to say, even though he was quoting scripture. And it's almost like, don't tell us what to do, don't tell us how to live. And then the Christians on the other side, Christians believe, you know, the world's so negative to the Robertsons. Christians are so upset because our TV show might be canceled. Get alive. Christians are so upset because they can't believe the world lives like they do. Christians get upset because they can't believe the world. The world won't listen to God's Scripture and has the attitude, don't tell me what to do. And so I want to tell you today that the people in Judges weren't the world. It was God's people who said... Hey, listen, don't tell us what to do. It was God's Israelite people who said, don't tell us what to do. It wasn't the world. It wasn't the pagans. It wasn't the people all around them. It was God's people who said, hey, don't tell us how to live. You can get upset with the world if you want to. But again, the scriptures that Clint read, I mean, we're all sinners, We all fall short. The wages of sin is death. We all need a Savior. What makes us in... Clint said some people think we're arrogant and judgmental. Maybe because sometimes we are. Hey, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me how to live. God's people have as much trouble with the don't tell me what to do attitude as people in the world. Every person did what was right in his own eyes. You know what that looks like? Christians say, well, it was right in my eyes. There are some Christians who, because it's right in their eyes, which doesn't make it right, well, it's right in my eyes to mistreat my wife because she's not being good to me. It's right in my eyes to abuse my children. It's right in my eyes to lay on my horn and gesture to that guy who doesn't know how to drive. It's right in my eyes, and we can have a whole list of things that we justify because our attitude is listen, don't, don't listen. Don't tell me how to live. I have a right. It's right in my eyes to do what I just did. It was right, read through Judges 19, 20, and 21. Find, find to me what was right in anything in that story. But in their eyes, it was right. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to live any way I want. And sometimes Christians have that attitude. It's kind of interesting, this This kind of plays in well. Um, Just a few days ago, we celebrated the birth of Jesus. Just a few days ago, a large part of America, a large part of the world celebrated the birth of a king. In those days, there was no king, and so everybody did as they saw fit. But guess what? In these days, in our days, in these days, we have a king. Isn't it interesting that the world celebrated the birth of a king, although they're not going to word it like that. We're we're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus. And they really don't even look at it that way. It's Christmas. I get stuff. We don't have a king so we can do whatever we please. That's what the Israelites said. And history's kind of repeating itself. We almost live as if there is no king. Don't tell me what to do. I'm going to live any way I want. So here's what I want to do today. I want to tell you what to do. Not really. I want God to tell us what to do. You know, we mock the world because the world won't listen to God, and we can can come to worship week after week after week in Bible classes and Bible classes, and, and we don't listen to the Word of God sometimes any better than the world does. God says, repent. That's not just a one-time deal. That's not just a one-time deal in your life. Hey, I repented back there when I was 16. We need to live a life of repentance. Why? Don't tell me what to do. I'm not. The Word of God says that. Repent and be baptized. Why? Don't tell me what to do. I'm not. God is. For the remission of your sins. Why? Because God said, If we live as if there's no authority. I mean, as Christians, I'm just kind of assuming since you're here today that you believe in the authority of Scripture. You believe in the authority of the Bible. So we need to listen to the Bible. We need to listen to the Word of God. Repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. You know what's kind of interesting is... As you read through the book of Judges, when you get that in your Bible reading next year, I want to encourage you, you know, you can start early. You don't have to wait till January 1. Just start reading your Bible. Go home and read Judges 19, 20, 21. It'll count. God sees that you're reading your Bible. You're in good graces. You know what's interesting as you read through Judges is, is the people said, don't tell me what to do, and they would live in disobedience. They would live in rebellion. They abandoned God. They embarrassed God. And then they cried out to God. And the interesting thing to me is, even though they didn't do what God said to do, every time they cried out to God, He responded. He sent a deliverer. He rescued. He saved them from the foreign impression. Why? I mean, if I was God, and I don't want to be God, and I don't want you to be God, why would He do that? I mean, time and time again, God's people do whatever they want to do. And we get in trouble. And what do we do? We cry out to God, God, I messed up. I'm living in disobedience. We might not use those words. I did whatever I want to do. God, can you, can you help? And every time in the book of Judges, and guess what? Nothing has changed. God still does that. Every time God stepped in and rescued Because God so loves the world. God so loves you. That whoever believes in His Son, whoever reaches out to His Son, whoever confesses His Son, whoever cries out and says, God, I've I've seen the error of my sinful ways. God, I've messed up. God, for whatever reason, you cry out to God. Nothing's changed. God still responds. Because He loves us. And He wants us to follow Him. So as you reflect on 2013, if you're into that kind of stuff, and as you reflect on New Year's resolutions, if you're into that kind of stuff, how much of my life, Richie, did I live because that's what I wanted to do? And how much of my life did I live because, God, that's what You wanted me to do? Not what is right in my eyes. I do a lot of that. God, I want to do what's right in Your eyes. So as you reflect... Which side are you on? Because the Word of God says He loves us so much, He just wants us to live for Him. He just wants us to respond to Him. He just wants us to accept His Son who came and died on the cross because of our don't-tell-me-how-to-live attitude. So the invitation today is, it's not mine. It's not the invitation of this church. It's God's invitation to repent. To repent of your life, to repent of your don't-tell-me-how-to-live attitude, to repent of your sinful ways, and to submit to God. That's the tough part. The Israelites didn't want to submit to God. That's what God wanted them to do. The invitation is for you to submit to God. Because let me tell you something. The Israelites, when they lived, don't tell me how to live. Their lives were miserable. And you know that. Because when you do whatever you want to do... Your life's going to be miserable. Oh, it may seem pleasurable for a while, but pretty soon you're going to reach a point and say, How did I get here? God, can you rescue me? Listen, folks, you don't have to live a miserable life. But as long as you have the attitude, don't tell me what to do, don't tell me how to live it's not going to be real pleasant. So the invitation today is for you to submit to the will of God, for you to submit to God, for you to do whatever God wants you to do. And God says, you need to repent and you need to be baptized and you need to put on my son. You need to name Jesus Christ as your Lord and savior, as the authority over your life. If you need to meet with our shepherds today, you can meet them in the back and they will embrace you and lift you up in prayer. If you want to respond to the invitation and Be baptized today. Please do so as we stand and sing.